Thank you for tuning in to Can You Talk Mental Health. I want to informally introduce myself as your host, Ashley Murray. I am considering this a safe space for myself and others, so here on the podcast, you guys can call me Ash. From this day forward, anyone who is struggling with any mental health or any lived experiences, we are now and forever in this together. Can You Talk Mental Health is an opportunity to create a community of diverse individuals to collectively discuss mental health and lived experiences. In my personal opinion, everyday struggles have become desensitized through social media, and so I am challenging viewers to listen to Can You Talk Mental Health with confidence knowing every guest and myself sharing their stories that you are not alone in your unseen battles. I know at this time, you're probably asking yourself, who is our host, Ashley Murray? Well, again, my name is Ashley Murray, and I'm your host, and I have been on this journey with mental health since 2017. In 2017, that was my first time experiencing mental health that I felt I owed a responsibility. As someone who has experienced childhood trauma, a lot of those circumstances fell out of my control. In 2017, as an adult, that was my first time feeling as though a specific situation was within my control. In 2017, I became severely depressed. I was working full-time and a full-time student, essentially becoming my primary provider. At this time in my life, I wasn't aware of mental wellness and maintaining your mental health. I slowly drifted into a deep depression. I remember the day before I dropped out of college. I used to take health and wellness classes, so during one of my health and wellness classes, we were presented with the task of walking around the track, and I just remember this being such a daunting task for me, and that's when I became aware that my psych was shifting. I dropped out of college the next day. I wanted to focus on my mental health, and I couldn't see being in school and focusing on my mental health at that same capacity. Removing myself from an environment I essentially thrived in resulted in me becoming severely depressed. I couldn't begin to fathom how leaving school made me feel worse about myself. I began to feel like I had given up on myself and given up on my dreams. When something as severe as ending your life is preying on you, it begins to consume you and you slowly start to believe that that is your only option. I slowly became clouded in my judgment. I slowly became clouded in my suffering. I thought of the guilt and remorse of those that I would leave behind. However, ending my own suffering was more important to me than the suffering that my death would cause. I did access treatment, as throughout this time, I was aware that these thoughts and ideas were something I never thought of. However, after receiving treatment, I still did not feel comfortable in my own skin. What has been the most transformative for me was actually when I began to receive treatment. So initially, as I stated, I was aware of an internal shift. So at this time, I was having difficulty sleeping, and I sought treatment for sleep aid. I thought my depression was worsening because of my inability to sleep. However, at this time, I already had a means and method, and it was just a matter of trial and error. So upon seeking treatment, I was immediately admitted with my rights revoked, and I was considered a high-risk patient. I just remember being so angry. And when I made it to the Behavioral Health Center, I met two females, both in their 20s, and both admitted for the same reason. So that now makes three patients, all female, all in their 20s, and all that had attempted suicide. Keep in mind, this facility had every spectrum of mental health. 
I was terrified. Prior to this introduction, I'd never been exposed to mental health in this capacity. I was furious and I was arrogant. I felt a sense of arrogance that I was placed with people so out of their sight. Although I was aware that these thoughts weren't typical for me, I still allowed these thoughts to slowly consume me. Now I realized that I needed to be at the hospital more than anyone there. So keep in mind, at this time, I hadn't switched my major, I was still a dropout, and I hadn't discussed with my friends the severity of my mental health. I stayed under suicide watch for an entire week. And I just remember exerting myself to do things that I was not psychologically capable of doing just so that I could get out of this hospital. I got out of the hospital and I was more depressed. In my family life, initially, I did not feel supported. And I just wanted to share my authentic journey. Whenever I first began feeling associations of severe depression, I did not feel like my family knew how to give me the support that I needed. I remember very vividly my mother telling me to snap out of it. In that moment, my mother was not in a position to be advising me on my mental health. She genuinely has a lack of resources and a lack of knowledge. So as cruel as telling someone to snap out of it may seem, this was in complete context for her. I wanted to share this conversation with my mother to encourage anyone that is struggling with their mental health and genuinely wants to snap out of it Do not feel an urgency to snap back into who you used to be. When I was in psychological warfare, the main thing I used to grieve about was who I used to be. Now that I am in year six of my recovery, I am now trying to be who I am called to be. I realize there's so much more joy and growth associated with enduring things and surviving. Not only being able to be proud of yourself, but the opportunity to fall more in love with yourself and who you're becoming. I want to encourage you to continue to endure whatever you're going through and stand tall in it. Do not continue to look at your life through the lens of the past. Look into what you've been through and how you can shape what you've experienced to benefit yourself. I have a strong spirituality and I like to view my life through the lens that God is always teaching and revealing. So it has been five years. And when this episode is dropped, that will complete year five and begin year six. So as you guys can hear, I'm still here and I'm still fighting. But that is the thing about when you go through things and live these experiences. It's not something that just goes away and you just get through it. I think about the term recovery a lot because for a lot of my life, I was in recovery. But because I am such a strong-willed person, It appeared to everyone else that I was recovering quickly. However, these are just the facts of my personality. I have always been this strong-willed person. So after experiencing something so traumatic, my immediate default was to go back to being strong. I immediately noticed that people were treating me as though I was alright and everything was okay. And I just remember thinking in those moments that I was no longer who I used to be and I actually was not okay despite everyone thinking that I was. I wanted to share this insight because we have to be cognizant of the recovery period associated after a traumatic experience has occurred. Being mindful that they may still be enduring what they went through even if they appear to be strong and capable. I want to share with you guys how I did that for myself. Y'all, I was in recovery for an entire year. 
That would be from February 2017 to February 2018. I said to myself, Ashley, you need to focus on yourself because you're working so hard, but if you have nothing else to give, what are you working so hard for? So I spent a year invested in myself and in my mental health and in my recovery, in hiding, in ashamed, and in my own world. And with majority of people unaware of this battle that I was fighting. At this point in my life, I hadn't discussed with my friends what I was going through. This was a time when my friends were on a need-to-know basis, but they did not know the depth of my pain and the depth of my suffering. After about a full year in recovery, I re-enrolled in school January 2018. I remember feeling a lot of shame with returning to school. I was still a biology pre-med student, and I felt as though I was experiencing an identity crisis. The identity crisis felt like I was struggling to accept who I used to be with who I had presently become and being strong through it all. That is the thing about being the strong friend. I find it difficult to allow myself to be weak, to be vulnerable, and to be fragile. As I'm sure you all have heard before, who checks on the strong friend, especially when they're weak? This made my journey with mental health even more difficult. I was relying on myself to be strong at a time when I needed to be weak. I have a great support system from my friends and family, and they have supported me on this journey of mental health. I find it important to have people that you can share experiences with. And there's one specific friend that I want to dedicate this episode to. Tanyetta Osborne. Tanyetta Osborne, thank you for being the first friend that I shared my story with while in recovery. I remember sitting with my friend Tanyetta Osborne outside of the school cafeteria. The first thing Tanyetta said to me when she seen me was, Ashley, what happened? Remember, I had all these things going on internally. And I just remember sitting down with my friend Tanyetta Osborne and telling her everything. And afterwards, Tanyetta made me feel so reassured in my journey and capability to endure and overcome my psychological trauma. I cannot describe to you, Tanyetta Osborne, what that conversation meant to me and the confidence you gave me to continue to fight. I wanted to share this insight of my friend, Tanyetta Osborne, and give her her flowers. I want to encourage viewers to give flowers to those that support you and uplift you on any journey in your life. So after this conversation with my dear friend and sister, Tanyetta, I changed my major to psychology. Because I was previously pre-med, I was pushed forward in the behavioral health program because I completed a lot of the prerequisites. I genuinely became investigated in mental health and I wanted to know what caused me to have such a psychological break. And I wanted to learn more about depression and how to help people. Initially, psychology was very intriguing. However, I quickly learned how difficult it would be for me as now a survivor and future expert. I spent countless hours bawling my eyes out as I learned more information about mental health and as it affected me. I can't remember how many times I broke down doing assignments because the scenarios resonated with my personal life and now I was in charge of making clinical judgments. I believe I cried the entire first year in the program. It was almost like I was looking at myself in two different mirrors. God literally showed me I was thinking I was the only person struggling and then showed me an array of mental health spectrums. 
And I just thank God for trusting me. The final thing I want to discuss as it relates to mental health is substance abuse. As I mentioned earlier, I have had experiences with childhood trauma. Prior to February 2017, I felt as though any trauma I endured was outside of my control. This is why I took my own defeat so personal because I felt in control of my pain. During my childhood and teenage years, both of my parents struggled with substance abuse. A lot of my life has been misguided. A lot of my life has been filled with anger. A lot of my life has been me relying on my own strength and a lot of dealing with things on my own, a lot of trial, and a lot of error. I wanted to include this insight about my parents to offer advice on what has been the most transformative for me in my relationships. I wanted to shine light on suicide prevention, but substance abuse is also close to my heart. For a long time, it was hard for me to understand how could someone pick something over their own life. I struggled with that for a long time. I struggled with accepting myself. I struggled with accepting my parents. I always knew my life was different than others. I just did not know how to accept it. I used to carry around a lot of hatred. I used to carry around a lot of betrayal. How do you heal a heart that was broken by your parents? How do you heal a heart that was broken by those entrusted in protecting it? We are all struggling. We all endure things. I cannot come on here and talk about mental health without talking about substance abuse. If I can just offer you these tips for transforming your relationships, I will feel pleased. This has been helpful for me in the unhardening of my heart and letting hatred go. So here's what I want to encourage anyone who has someone they love or knows that struggles with substance abuse. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to remove the expectations that you have placed on them. I found myself the most disappointed when I would place unrealistic expectations on someone and they would not meet my expectations. Now I understand the importance of removing my own expectations from someone else. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to accept them as they are without those expectations. Not placing expectations on someone's life has allowed me to not feel upset if they fall short. Accepting someone as they are releases inadequacy because I am accepting you for who you are. I am loving you for who you are. Once I remove those expectations, I am seeing you as you truly are, regardless if it aligns with who I believe that you can be. And I'm loving you for who you are. I'm not missing time loving you, missing good memories with you, hindering a relationship from the expression of love because of expectations. There has been times when I cannot be the fullness of my own expectations. I have to trust those that love me to love me an extra bit. I just told you guys my entire testimony about my struggle that I endured, and I had to trust my friends and family to love me to my full capacity during my period of inadequacy. I was probably about 5% and relying on the additional 95% for my support system. If all of those people in my life were expecting me to show up at 100%, I can't imagine the level of inadequacy I would have felt. They loved and accepted me at 5%. What would you do if you didn't have people who loved you whenever you were less than your capabilities? Encourage yourself to let those expectations go and love somebody for who they are. I thank you guys so much for tuning in with me and sitting with me. 
The last thing I wanted to leave with you guys is why I decided to create a podcast. I spoke a little bit about my childhood, and I think a lot about that version of myself. As I mentioned, my parents did not have the knowledge or resources for mental health. However, I always had a phone. So I feel passionately in knowing that I am creating something my younger self could have access to. And so if there is anyone who's listening and who is younger and is struggling with self-acceptance or feels like giving up, I want you to have clarity in knowing that I created this platform just for you. I thank you guys so much for giving me this opportunity. I hope that everyone that comes on the podcast and shares their story, that we offer them a seat at the table and that we're kinder to ourselves and kinder to each other. This is what I need you guys to remember about yourself. You are capable of anything. You can do anything. God has created an abundance. There isn't anything you cannot do. There is an abundance attached to your name. And I want you to always remember this. Anyone who doubts you simply does not know you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Can You Talk Mental Health. Can I talk to you soon?